the whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi, this is Sean Cahill, and you're listening to that UFO podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to that UFO roundtable number two, the theories. We have three very exciting guests on the show, all familiar either through adverts or being a recent guest or being a regular co-host. So first up, I'll, I'll go with the familiarity. I've got Dan, the signal from Twitter. Dan, how are we doing tonight? I'm great. Thanks, Andy. It's nice to see uh, a few more faces with us. It is for the for the first time as well. Yeah, well, it'll so, be hearing voices when it not seeing faces, but well, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm recording the video, but it's only for conversational purposes or bribery <laughs> in the future. So, uh, but yeah, it will just be the the audio going out. And joining Dan is one of the most recent guests from the podcast. It's the Undead Gaucho, who is allowing me to uh, use his his proper name. So, John. Uh, which is his proper name. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, guys. Awesome. All the way from good, Buenos Aires. Yeah, we're going to have a good time tonight. We are. We've been talking for a while before we hit record as well. Uh, so bringing up the third member of the panel as well, we've got Dan, we've got John, and we have Dave Partridge. First appearance on the podcast for Dave, even though his advert's been getting played for about two and a half, three months now, uh, of Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, not too bad, Andy. How are you? Very well. Yeah, and uh, thank you all, gents, for joining us. Obviously, this has been in the works now for about a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, Really looking forward to this one. Had a lot of anticipation from the listeners as well. A lot of people contributing their theories, their thoughts, their questions. And that is what the show is all going to be about. But a little bit of news broke on Twitter earlier on today. And I thought we should talk about that very quickly first. Now, this, this episode is going to go out. Uh, next week. I may drop it a little early just to be nice, you know, with it being almost Christmas time and stuff, but it'll be out by the 27th of November. Um, the last couple of weeks with all of us on UFO Twitter particularly have been waiting on some news dropping or a few pieces of news and there's been a lot of rumours and speculation. However, um, some of the main people we've looked at for this news um, today, Tim McMillan, MJ Benias, who have both been on the podcast, and uh, Mika Hanks, three very well-known, very respected journalists, especially when it comes to UFO and UAPs, um, defence, US government, all that sort of thing, have uh, announced a new group starting. Uh, it's, called, it's going to be a news show uh, called The Debrief. And yeah, what, what's your guys' thoughts on that piece, piece of news in the first place? Dave, I'll come to you first. Um, what I'm saying is quite exciting, actually, because... Um, their reputations, Tim and MJ, have obviously been in, um, you know, magazines like Popular Mechanics and Vice, you know, recently talking about the UAP topic. And I think the way that they put themselves across has furthered the conversation, you know, into the mainstream arena. So doing a new show, um, especially with Mike Hanks, who has been around for ages and is obviously a good friend with Ryan Sprague as well. 
and that kind of crew, they their show is going to be probably the most watched UFO show in the future just because of who they are and the information that they can bring and the people that they're talking to as well. I like it. Uh, yeah, so that that's going to be a good one. They've got a pretty cool little clip as well. I believe it is at the debrief on Twitter. So make sure you're following. Uh, I've been retweeting it a few times today as well, um, just to kind of tease the show. Um, John, we'll come to yourself. You you've saw it as well. What's your thoughts on the debrief? You know, I think uh, Dave like took the words right out of my mouth. I, I think it's going to end up becoming very popular just because of who's setting it up, and also already there was a tweet from Lou Elizondo sort of shouting it out on UFO Twitter at on Twitter, but uh, everyone picked that up and yeah, I think they're going to do a great job. Probably they're going to have a lot of, a lot of people checking out what they're doing. They had um, about 700 followers after a couple of hours of announcing as well. So that's probably a good indication of how many people are, are jumping on that bandwagon. And like you say, when, when Lou Elizondo's endorsing you, um, I'm sure Lou knew about it before most people did anyway. But uh, once Lou's given you a shout out, you're, you're golden in this community, well, with most of it. Um, and Dan, uh, this will be something I'm, I'm sure you're really keen to, to see what's going to come out of it as well. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, the Twitter, I just grabbed it. Uh, just because we weren't sure, uh, is at Debrief Media. Um, Thank you. So follow them there. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited because you don't start something like this without um, some content in the pipeline. Um, they clearly, you know, plans are afoot. Um, <clears throat> and I'm excited to see once it's established who will come to them with information as, you know, a kind of not mainstream, but on the edge of mainstream. Um, to attract the news that no one else will print, essentially. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, to be honest, I don't think I'm spoiling anything that may or may not come out in the future. This was obviously something that those guys have hinted at in the last week or so as being part of the, the coming news, even though we maybe never knew it in the community. This is what they've, they've hinted at. And a few people you could see were starting to suggest, oh, is this the news? A little disappointed. They're not wheeling the alien bodies out. However, that that's not what these guys are going to be involved in. However, they've got some fantastic contacts direct at the pen Pentagon, uh, Department of Defense, various different organizations. Um, and I'm sure I, I, I would put some money on the next two weeks or less. There being, there being some good content dropping in and around the launch of the 30th of November, if not a few days after. Um, so yeah, that's that's one we're all going to keep an eye on. And I'll try and get Tim, MJ or Mika on the show to discuss that as well. So, um, And no doubt Dave for the magazine will be looking to, to speak to them. And John oh, yeah. on Dead Gout Show, no doubt on his YouTube channel, there's, there's three different mediums. You'll be looking to try and catch them too for a conversation if possible. So uh, keep your eye out on that one, folks. But yeah. So also, what, sorry, Andy. Go on, Dave. There's also, um, you know, like one, a couple of people have suggested that maybe this is an outlet for Lou Elizondo as well to um, perhaps push some information through, you know, where Good he job. can't actually do it as himself. Maybe he'll be pushing a little bit. You're not suggesting that sort of thing happens, are you? That people no, can't say not. something so they get others to do it for them. I'm, I'm shocked Paris and disgusted. Yeah. Uh, they'd have to meet in some kind of parking lot under the cover of night. 
yeah. uh, and hand over some tapes to Chris Mellon. Um, send brown yeah. envelopes. Yeah, <laughs> if if, if Lou Elizondo wants to send me anything in a brown envelope, um, yeah, I'll I'll happily take it. I'll I'll send my address. Um, but listen, uh, what you're here for, uh, as well as that, which is a nice little extra to drop today, is the theories, and this is something everyone debates online. You see it on Facebook, Twitter, every podcast, documentary. You know. What is the phenomenon? And we've come to know that term, the phenomenon. Obviously, the documentary from James Fox, huge, just released a couple of weeks ago, um, has really brought the phrase a little bit further forward into the mainstream. But the the argument still wages on until we get that full, you know, what is is it um, officially? Then what is actually going on? So you are uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Patreon, on email, sent me a load of your theories. I've put together for the the panel here. Uh, six of the top theories that may explain what is actually happening when it comes to UAPs, UFOs, aliens, whatever you want to call it. So what the gents are going to do is I'm going to bring a theory. The first one being it's uh, craft and beings visiting us from another planet. So let's go right back to the 50s. You know, this is alien beings coming from another planet from A to B and visiting the Earth. Uh, I'm going to bring them in one at a time and then we'll just have a conversation on what they think about that particular theory. If they want to bring up any cases that provide any particularly good evidence for it, any pros and cons as to what this would mean for us. Um, as a civilization, a race, a people, whatever, and then score it from one to ten. One being it's definitely seagulls and that's nonsense, to ten being a, a very, very likely case in point for what the phenomenon is. And then we'll run through. After I've done the, the six, then we will take a short break and we'll come back with your theories, of which I've got four pages worth. So thank you very much, everyone who sent those in. Hopefully I've not missed anyone off. But let's get into it, gents. So the very first theory would be we have nuts and bolts craft visiting us from another planet, going back to the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, what are the worlds? These beings are jumping in a spaceship and visiting this planet. So Dave, if you don't mind, I'm going to come to you first. That This is the classic UFO the classic flying saucer visiting us. What's your thoughts on that one? Well, like you said, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, this was the theory. Um, you had films like um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, where, um, you know, it lands basically in craft lands in Washington, and you get, um, can't remember the actor's name now, but he comes out and he's got this giant robot next to him and he's spreading a message of peace. And then from that moment on, which is a, Again, this is a Twitter theory put forward by um, Twitter user Stina Maria, Stina Maria XO. Um, she's kind of suggested that the day the Earth stood still was the catalyst for all these stories of people having contact with beings that have landed. I mean, we get Dr. Frank Strange, who is most famous for the case with Valiant Thor, who wrote the book Stranger in the Pentagon. Um, and he was supposed to have come from Venus and was part of the Council of Twelve of you know, other Venusians, um, they came to this planet specifically to try and meet with President Eisenhower and to bring the message of peace, tell us to stop messing around with nuclear weapons and nuclear bombs because we're just going to end up destroying the Earth. And you see that going through the 50s and the 60s that, you know, we shouldn't be messing around with kind of nuclear power. So when you get craft coming from, you know, Venus and Mars with the origin points in the 50s and 60s, but then... We get further on into the 70s and you get like Planet Serpo 
and that kind of thing, which was kind of hinted at in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And then Lancaster brought out that book, which was supposed to be based on tapes, you know, audio cassettes of interviews with people who had been on kind of like a, an exchange program. Um, so we had some Ebens over here and they went to Serpo and spent time on their planet. But I think fundamentally, if you are getting craft coming to this planet, then you're talking about civilizations which are millions of years older than ours. And they're going to have advanced tech which will be able to, you know, bend space time. You know, there's wormholes theory that's been proposed for years, decades. Um, and it makes sense. If you think about how many planets are actually in the Milky Way by itself, I think NASA's last count was about 300 million habitable planets. Take up or take. Yeah, something like that. You know, running up to the nearest town. exactly that number. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. out there. I mean, if this, if Earth is the you know, the peak of intelligence in the Milky Way, then the Milky Way's in trouble, basically. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Dan, do you want to come in on that one then? So Nuts and Bolts Craft visiting us from Planet... Well, and do you know what? This is something I was going to leave till the end, but just as I'm, I'm bringing into it, Dan, that generally when, when these conversations were happening, no one talked about far-off star systems and, and whatnot. It was always Venus, Mars, Neptune you know, Uranus, lol, uh, because these, that, that's what we knew. That was that was the peak of science, wasn't it? So they were coming from local local planets, if you want to call them that, to visit us. So what's your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, that's right. Um, and then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Betty and Barney Hill was Zeta Reticuli. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's quite far off, um, even though, you know, the map didn't quite match, but we won't get into that something crazy happened to them um but yeah the the nuts and bolts craft visitation from the planets it's a fascinating one because it's the go-to of kind of mainstream skeptic scientific media moguls uh you, you know brian cox and the like um they always kind of say oh well, you know there are limitations to how fast you can travel how long it would take you need a generation ship it's just not feasible but uh you know like Dave was just getting at the more we kind of discover out there the more we're finding they could be realistically a lot closer than we thought um a lot more developed than we thought and that's only considering within the scope of life that we consider life right now and that's brought in all the time as well so I I think you know it could uh, potentially be probes coming here <clears throat> um, just like we'd send but I, I kind of can't ignore the possibility that a civilization is just further ahead than us like Dave said it would be a shame if we were the pinnacle right <laughs> and that's a good point when you mentioned about the if, like you know if people sending probes here was it again you got to Mars and you see these robots looking about and it looks like they're looking at nothing but if you if you shot a probe at the Earth, the, the odds of it hitting anything other than water are pretty remote. And then the odds, if it did hit land, of it hitting anything other than desert are the most likely. So any probe landing on Earth would hit the, a desert somewhere and it would look like there was nothing around. So Absolutely. And, and that's only, you know, if the probe was set 
to to look for life and study it if the probe was sent to do something else like look for you know for example iron because they don't have iron wherever they're from it's only going to look for iron and it'll totally miss us i like that almost like you, you know something now uh or it's been sent to look for ps5s um <laughs> happy ps5 day to dan and and john uh, i'll bring you in on that one so what's your thoughts on nuts and bolts craft coming to visit the earth um obviously when you first start looking into this subject that's like your first your go-to idea right it's, totally. it's what everyone assumes and i think it might have a lot to do this idea that they're from space and they're space aliens and this kind of you know little green men kind of thing i think it happened like it started maybe with the space race you know i started thinking about that that people just started assuming like if there is somebody visiting us from um from somewhere they have to be from another planet especially if they look completely different to what humans are and they're intelligent uh but over the years i've started to think like there is life in space obviously like i completely think that it's super obvious and you know people that don't see it that way it's kind of sad but uh i don't know if these craft that we're seeing are are, are coming from a another planet or uh, from another reality. Um, but I would, I, I feel like they've been here for too long and have been interacting with us for too long to be coming from a different planet. Uh, I side with more like some somehow they are connected to this planet. I'm still trying to figure that part out, but I feel like somehow they are connected to this planet. And I think that might be, um, that might be like a game changer. If yeah, ever... and we are going to get to that, but you make a good point that that the idea of these being beings from another planet coming to visit us on their spaceship is like the entry level for for UFOs. Because I think if if we've all had that conversation, and if you have it with someone who's not necessarily got an interest in ufology or at all clued up and wouldn't know about TTSA, UFO Twitter any of those things you know they know about roswell they know about aliens little gray men little green men coming from other planets to visit and maybe that's just the entry level you know that's the way into it and uh, uh, do you know what it was a much nicer and simpler time i think when that was all you thought was i wonder if there are aliens coming to visit from another planet uh, dave you were looking to come in on that one yeah it was going back to something that dan said about um you know, maybe some civilization sending probes. I mean, there's a book by Arthur C. Clarke called Cradle, um, which focuses on um, something that's found in off in the Florida Keys under the ocean. It's kind of like this golden metallic tube, which they think is, you know, Spanish galleon treasure from the 1600s. Um, but part of the book as well, it focuses on like a creator race in the depths of space, which are sending out probes to check up on kind of like their little pet projects, you know? So, you know, the planet zoo theory is one that's been pushed for a few years as well. You know, we are an experiment, a Petri dish almost. Um, and then again, going back to RC Clark, you got like 2001 and rendezvous with Rama as well. And it could be that these interactions have been going on for millennia on this planet. And, you know, these craft just come back now and again just to check up, see how the experiment's going, and then go off again, you know, make research notes. The other thing, it, they could be like space tourists. 
yeah. <laughs> or future tourists, you know, just pop down. Oh, there's a habitable planet down there. Let's see what's going on. Oh, no, we don't want to land there. Yeah, look at the mess. A bit of the old Star Trek, you know, just going through planet to yeah. planet, galaxy to galaxy, seeing what's happening. Don't interfere, but, you know, you can say hello to the natives now and again. Quick abduction, yeah, exactly. head back off. Uh, but do you know what? Uh, yeah, it's 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 a romantic notion. It's the classic that we all we all know and love, and what probably got everyone into this this whole field. And with all with all these theories, it's the simplest one that there's life on other planets and it's coming to visit us. You're right when you talk about classically, like your, Brian Cox. Funnily, I was listening to to radio the other day was was on, um, and I'm a fan of Brian Cox from a science point of view. But again, it's it, it, generally seems to hold a lot of the ideas that um i don't necessarily want to say carl sagan what's his name that i'm thinking of hayden planetarium in new york curator uh always having digs at ufos and aliens not mr degrasse tyson yes mr degrasse tyson oh i was such a (laughs) i was such a fan of of his podcast and everything as well um and then as kind of i got more involved in in this and before the podcast and you see what his thoughts are and just seems so ignorant and blind to want to think that the possibility that there's anything else out there even with this overwhelming amount of evidence and whether and we're going to get to different dimensions whether these things are here or not or or whatever classically most of these craft tend to come from space whether they're blipping in at that point whether they are coming out the oceans going up to the atmosphere and coming back in that that's all going to get debated but you know if you look at it on the the surface of it these things are being seen in space you know if you watch some of the nasa feeds when stuff gets cut off which is always really interesting i think there's some really cool nasa videos out there as well um it would make sense and again why would it just feel it's like you say if we are the peak of intelligence in the universe and my god that's that's really a really sorry state of affairs and one i just can't subscribe to um so pros and cons then i'm going to i'm going to ask you to to share your thoughts on I'll, I'll start off with some pros and cons for it i think the ultimate pro for that particular theory that there's life on other planets and they can travel and visit us is of course what we're not alone in the universe and and dave like you've said i'll bring you in first you're you can potentially yeah. share technology potentially share medicine technology wise there's always the, the again it's very basic this is entry-level ufology but the the reason we have back in the 40s and 50s a huge leap in technology with like computer chips and ibm and these companies was we had the roswell crash and managed to back engineer some stuff and that's why we now have iphones being hijacked on the m1 yeah sure i mean that's yeah that's the theory but if you look at some of the science advancements that were being made at the time anyway you know it just so happened that war helps technology progress as well so some of those may have been you know developed during the war and then suddenly they were able to be released out in the public during peacetime um but, you know that's not to say because eisenhower was supposed to have held a meeting in you know 1952 i think when he went to the dentist for an hour and then uh, supposed to be met with some greys in the desert but from a technological point of view you got to think that if they are coming here why would they want to share their tech with them with us um, and that's always been kind of a little sticking point with me because why would they want us to go and meet them on their turf, so to speak? 
That's a good point because you think I doubt if aliens do come to visit the government would be going, let's just pick one or the, the, the Russian would be saying, do you want to see our nuclear weapons and how we make them? Um, yeah. That I, I doubt that would happen. Just humans are probably inherently distrustful and distrusting. Well, so Yeah, it'd be like a Neanderthal trying to teach us how to make fire. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. If if you ask me with my bare hands to go out and make some fire just now, I'd probably struggle. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can do a podcast. I can't make fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made it a point of pride a few years back to learn. A friend of mine works in like forestry and goes camping. He wants to be basically he's going to grow in like thirty years to be big rails. So I was like, teach me, show me how to be in a forest and fend for myself. I'll be warm, but I'll starve. So far, I've got to do the other bit. Dan's CV has expanded from just the font of UFO knowledge for me to can also create fire from nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not even with his lighter. Um, but John, do you want to come in on that pros and cons then uh, for, for this being the case for humanity that we've got aliens visiting from another planet? Uh, the pro is that like Dave said it perfect. You know, following both Dave and, and, and Dan and you are very smart. So any everyone every person I'm following up after I'm like yeah he just basically said exactly what I think but yeah I'll, uh, I'll bring I'll bring you in first next time then okay give you a heads up <laughs> no 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 don't worry I, I'm actually I I like that because like it's I Dave you're, it's like an it's like you're like an encyclopedia and Dan too you guys are just dropping facts and facts but yeah I mean the most important thing is that we're not alone it's the the biggest pro out there and I I always say that I feel like learning that we're not alone as, as a species will help us understand uh, a lot more. And, you know, it's, it's kind of sad how divided we are as a species around the planet. And I think that the day that we realize that there are other intelligent beings out there and it's not just us and the so-called animals, you know, the wild animals will finally realize that we're just like all the other animals and we're, we're all the same. Uh, so I think that's a big pro um, in from yeah. the sense of like, yeah, like it'll change the concept of reality and it'll take us from being, oh, we're the most important thing in the universe to being like, oh, wait, wait a minute. We may not be that important at all. So we should start to realize that and start to treat each other with a little more respect. But uh, that's one thing. And then, I mean, I would hope, I would hope like, see, this is a complicated one because I would hope that, you know, the articles about crash retrieval and Roswell and this whole history and this uh, this legend of people getting these uh, these crashed craft and trying to re-engineer like the Bob Lazar story and stuff like that. If it's not already happening, if it ever does happen, which Dave said he doesn't think they would want that to happen. And I, I agree. You know, I don't think they would want that to happen either but it has been there have there has been moments in my life where i've been like researching this and just frustrated thinking about for example the pollution on the planet uh how we don't have free energy how you know there's this whole love and light vibe that comes with the ufo phenomenon too like they're like they're telling us not to use nuclear weapons i'm like okay why don't they come down and show us like really communicate with us and show us why not to use nuclear weapons or give us a solution to not have wars, educate us, help us evolve. So 
So can I can I ask you on that one then, John? Because you, you raise yeah. a good point about you would you would hope these beings being so far advanced would be, you know, would be nice and kind and want to share and teach. Would the, does it disappoint you then that to the Stars Academy, their current focus? I'm going to use the the threat narrative that people talk about as the way they've chosen to approach the subject. Do you think that's a human problem that we have, that we immediately look at the threat risk where these beings could potentially come down? And if, if the whole, you know, turning off nuclear weapons is true, that they're literally showing us that these don't matter. If that's what's happening, is that really disappointing then that that's the route we have to go? Or does it make sense? No, it makes perfect sense what they're doing. Uh, Cause I'm saying those things, but the frustrating part for me was realizing that that wasn't going to happen, that they weren't going to come give us free energy, that they weren't going to come down and help us all. They were only going to tell us select few to not, you know, some rant, some cop on the side of the road that they abduct, why not to use nuclear weapons? Or they're going to fly over a, a nuclear base. And, you know, I totally understand this idea that there, it's very possible that they could be a threat. And I've done a lot of, I've done videos about how it's, if you look at, cases and you do your a little research you'll see that lots of people don't have good encounters with these beings so the pro would be if we could get their technology and learn how to use it another pro but i don't think that will happen and i also think that they don't want that to happen so that could be a pro and a con mixed together <laughs> in one cool. bag yeah thank you and dan last but not least thoughts on uh nuts and bolts craft visiting us from another planet pros and cons for for me it starts at kind of what what we were talking about earlier um john said it where he he mentioned that if we're being visited there's a reason for that um and i wonder what that reason is and that always takes me back to you know panspermia versus directed panspermia you know we we see the microbes everywhere making life everywhere um but if there was a species on another planet that decided to create us, um, then that's a whole other thing entirely. Um, and that plugs into the zoo hypothesis. Um, so a lot, a lot of other theories kind of come under the nuts and bolts. Um, I think it's probably the most grounded. So I would say it's a pro just because it's you know simple it's introductory to people i guess um you know you're not going to start kind of by pitching someone the ultra terrestrials <laughs> angle um you'll, yeah you'll start with nuts and bolts so it, yeah it's it's a simple scientific step-by-step -step thing that people can currently get their heads around um the downside of it is just the lack of imagination we've moved on a bit um we have we have slide nine you know slide nine is the atip briefing slide um mm -hmm. that talks about all of these crazy abilities that just for me it just broadens the whole thing out you know if you can come up with the idea yeah it can probably do it <laughs> so i'd say i'd say the nuts and bolts thing is, is a little too narrow because it just doesn't account for a lot of what's going on so it's con. Okay, so go on, John. Yeah, come in. Dan, can I ask you something though? So, sure. you know, I I kind of I I side with what you're saying too, but then I start to wonder then like what are they actually retrieving when they're retrieving crash craft? You know, because a lot of people say that um, 
that what you're seeing when you see a saucer is like what's being projected into your mind from mm-hmm. the, you know, during the close encounter. Yeah. But then how does that remain there when it crashes? Like, wouldn't it re- like go back to whatever it originally was or that's something that I always think about. I, I think I made a video that's, about it. That's it's, it's a really intriguing point because you know, it means that there's something there to grab. So it's not kind of, you know, it's not a ghost ship, for example, you can't be like, Oh, it's invisible. And it's definitely in another dimension and you can see it, but you can never touch it. And you know, it, it's oh. that it's definitely something, but the way that some people speak about it, I'd, I'd suggest people listen to um, Tim McMillan talking on uh, to Stephen Greenstreet on the basement office, yeah. where he talks about some conversations he's had with people about Roswell. Um, and I'm going to mess up this quote now, but he says that someone told him they found something. It wasn't a craft. It wasn't a ship. It was something. And it, it seems a really loosey-goosey term for something that's a, a hard craft on the floor, you know. Um, I'm not sure if you've read uh, Stratagem by Jack Vallée, but in that, um, there, there are parts where there are scientists kind of, you know, it's a, it's a fictional book, kind of very much like Secret Machines, where he's kind of folded bits of uh, real information into it. And there are bits where there are scientists in a lab looking at this material that they've got. And one of them says that one second he can see just a square of material on the table and the next second he's experiencing this storm as if he's on the deck of a a massive ship in the middle of the ocean um you know that it just it's so far outside a frame of reference if it's something like that that it, it could it could be tangible nuts and bolts and something else yeah Totally. I, I would, you know. What you just, that picture you just painted of the guy, like, I don't know, like zip when he went like into another dimension, that, yeah, that would it be amazing. so, right? Like yeah. he kind of, it, it, the way it was written, it was like, he was, he was there and he was emotionally experienced in that moment yeah. on a ship, on the deck of a ship, simultaneously while being where he was. It was very, very strange. I'd, I'd recommend reading it. It's very, it's amazing. Oh, I hope, I actually hope that happens to me one day. That'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that, guys. That was really good. Listen, so I'm going to come uh, to Dave first. What I'm going to do is throw a a quick question and I need a yes or a no answer from you. Nothing else. No maybes from all of you. Then I'm going to come back and get your scores from one to 10 on that scenario and how likely it is. Okay, so Dave first. Beings are flying from other planets and visiting Earth and craft. Yes or no? Yeah. John? Uh, yes. Dan? Tough to put a number on it. When when they do disclosure, I think they should do it in this format and give people points for guessing correctly or incorrectly. <laughs> That's so, how they should do it. I want a yes and a no first. Do we have beings visiting us from another planet? Yes. Yes. Okay. So everyone said yes for what it's worth. I'm just the host, but uh, yeah, I, I would say we now do. Reveal them. I'll get to that later. <laughs> so yeah, where are they? Um, however, uh, now I want your scores of how likely. Dave, back to you. So one, not likely at all, but we've said yes, it's like for for this being the reason or one of the contributing factors to the phenomenon on that scale of one to 10. Given what we're going to be talking about later, I'd say probably... No more than seven. Okay. 
Uh, John? Given on what I said earlier, I'm going to have to go with a five just because then I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm voting too high. <laughs> okay. But I think, I think I should clarify before we get the next vote in. Um, Dave made a super good point when he brought up, you know, what he thought. And I do think that they are from, you know, from space, from, from another planet, but I, who knows, maybe we're all from another planet. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with this one. Five, five. Cool. Sitting on the fence. And Dan? I, I've realized I'm going to do my usual thing here. You know, when we do episode reviews and I just uh, constantly uh, 11? give it the top marks. <laughs> are, you, are, um, you go, are you going with a 10 then? This is very likely. I'm going with a 10. I'm going with a 10. Just just because my my blanket kind of position is that <laughs> everything's going on. Um, yeah. And spoiler alert, that's what we're going to end on with number six being a mix. But uh, thank you very much, Jen. So that that was the first one done and dusted. Uh, Number two, so we're going to take it up a notch. And Dan, I'm going to start with you because one of the comments you made uh, previously was was a little bit based on this, that are almost blasé that we've moved on from nuts and bolts craft coming from another planet and and that's what's happening and if you're if you're a beginner when you talk about ufos coming from mars venus whatever it may be further afield uh, once you get involved in the topic and you start looking at those rabbit holes that me and john talked about when we were doing that interview that kind of led to me wanting to do this for the round table um you start to look and go ah maybe there's more to this so um one of the more recent theories and become very popular as that these these craft and beings are inter slash multi-dimensional or or come from different realities and we'll put that one in there too so what's your thoughts on the inter multi-dimensional theory dan uh i love this theory just because there's a lot of science that you could almost look at the entire spectrum of light um, you know, radio waves, everything like that. And there are like 70 Nobel Prizes along that thing. Um, and that's only the bit that we know about, you know, the, so it, it's insane to me that um, it's closed off. Um, do any of you guys have a cup near you? Yeah. Yeah. So grab it for me. I can confirm okay. for the listeners that uh, Dave has picked up a, a mug slash cup. Uh. <laughs> so put put that cup flat on your palm. And can you see where the handle is? Yeah. What I want you to do is without touching the cup now, you can only move your arm, is rotate that cup 360 degrees. You can clench your fingers to kind of steady the cup. Feel free to do that. It's an oversized cup. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fairly big cup. Yeah, if you guys saw you, the cup, you're not allowed to kind of wiggle your fingers around. It has to stay no. still on your hand. Yeah. And I'm going to do what now? You've got to rotate it 360 degrees, so you can only really move your arm. Yeah, I've got a bad shoulder, so I, I picked the wrong arm. Yeah. Well, if you're following along, um at home you you can kind of do this um it's really interesting so that cup to get 360 degrees of rotation out of it um only being able to move your wrist and arm you kind of have to do this movement where you kind of loop around and come under and then back 
So you've actually gone around twice, right? There you go. You got it. You got it. I yeah, wish people could it. see this uh, isolated piece you, you of can, footage. Uh, I was going to say, if I do that, I'm going to dislocate my shoulder. <laughs> if, you, if you YouTube it, um, yeah, you can Patreon find uh, you know, some example. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I might try but, and get just the video of that uh, put on put on the Twitter as a teaser <laughs> for the episode for, for Dan uh, demonstrating that. That was good, yeah. You totally should. Um, uh-huh. So basically, there, there are these things called spinners. Um, the spin atoms um kind of deep deep down uh tiny things um and these spinners if i just demonstrated to get through 360 degrees of rotation the thing spinning them has to actually move through double that right so 720 degrees of rotation do you guys follow so yeah so if you kind of plot that shape out as you kind of make it with your arm um it starts looking like a Mobius strip. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Um, now, in a sense, that kind of demonstrates that there's this one part of the rotation that we can see um, and a part of the rotation that we can't see. So we can kind of prove that there is a gap in the universe that we cannot see. And yeah, tell me if I'm kind of explaining this badly. (laughs) You did a good job. (laughs) Someone will be listening to this driving to work, having to pull over at the side of the road and just having some sort of of breakdown at trying to figure this out. They might be outraged, they're hacking it up. Um, Basically, (laughs) there is definitely, definitely a space, um, provably, that something could occupy. Yeah. Right. And that, that concludes my science demonstration. <laughs> so in layman's terms, you think there's a bit of space that could be filled with something we can't see? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and and we, we, can, <clears throat> we can even, you know, we can talk about dark matter and kind of how much of the universe that makes up. Um, and we don't really know what it is. Um, and it could just be a discrepancy. Um, but yeah, you, you put it succinctly, there's plenty of space in the universe for other things to occupy and nature abodes a vacuum. And I know just from previous episodes and conversations we have had and Skinwalker reviews on identified TUP talks, it's it's something you subscribe to, Dan, is the interdimensional, multidimensional theory. So very popular with yourself. And I, I love that little example. So that deserves a little round of applause. Yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, and I'll try I'm sorry that, that I picked it at a time where people had bad shoulders. Yeah, just uh, in the the whole concept of what you were getting Dave to do there and John, I I think we're all popping a shoulder. Uh, (laughs) Coming to John on that one then, so inter Um, slash... Oh, Dan, go on. Can can I just just make a connect? Just because you mentioned Skinwalker. um, You know, I took you guys up from the spin-up to the Mobius strip. um, And when we kind of look at ATIP and where that came from with with ORSAP, um, the kind of beginning factor of that was uh, someone named James Lekatsky seeing a shape when he visited Skinwalker. Um, and a, basically a giant Mobius strip was presented to him. Um, I feel like he was given a clue. Nice. Wow. So, uh, yeah, John, follow that. 
So That's what I was going to say. How do I follow that? Look, look, everything Dan just said is, uh, in my opinion, he's, he's hitting the, the nail on the head with the hammer. So um, I believe that these are, yeah, we're dealing with either they're coming from another dimension or they have the craft that they use, the technology that they have. They know how to travel between, between that space that we were talking about and ours. And um, I feel like that, that's why I kind of didn't cite, you know, I don't say they're from space exactly. Cause you know, maybe they do travel through space, but I feel like if they're going to travel through dimensions, um, I mean, they're most likely, maybe they are from another planet, but for me, they're just from another dimension, <laughs> you know, they're ultra terrestrials. Uh, I also feel like just um, a lot of, when you look at cases and you see the way we don't see these crafts all day. It's not like we're looking, it's not like they're like popping in and out. People have seen them come out of portals. People have talked about, you know, there's locations like Skinwalker Ranch where again, they came out of portals and uh, it's something we should definitely consider. And I feel like Dan broke it down in a, you know, logical and healthy way there. So if you can't understand what Dan just said, I mean, there's not much more to say there. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you one thing then, John, because you're saying, yeah. and I, you, you sort of hinted on this, and I just want to know a little more, that if they're coming from a different dimension, do you see it as in they are on Earth B in a different dimension? And I'm thinking straight away, I go to my analogy of like Futurama, where they have the, their universe on a box. And we have Maybe their, universe their, A. Yeah, universe we'll A. universe one. And universe, uh, yeah, that's it. And they have each other's <laughs> universes. So, do you think they are just in a mirror dimension of ours, and they come, they can come through, or do, do you think it would be like a different planet altogether? And do you know what, you could be really, really crazy and start thinking in that dimension. Do they even have planets? But, well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, oh, Dan, like that one. <laughs> so something I've been, I've been, uh, I thought a lot. Something I thought about a lot throughout my life is like. Like I'm a big fan of science. I'm not on Dan's level. You know, I can't, I couldn't have done that explanation. That's why Dan's here. That's why he's important. <laughs> That's why he, he matters so much. That was a great man. But uh, like, I've always wondered, like, what if we do make open contact with these beings? They land and they say, look, guys, everything, you, your whole concept of reality, space and time is completely wrong. First of all, there's nothing called time. Second of all, there's like, what would happen if our whole concept of reality was completely skewed? Because everything that we believe is a human concept. It's been every, every concept we have has been created by a human. So who is to say that our knowledge and our understanding of what we're currently experiencing is, is correct? You know, I feel like there may, that could be a big, uh, big problem and a big reason why we we can't we don't understand what's going on you know like we can't really grasp where they're coming from uh why they're visiting us and all this kind of stuff um see john that's that's where i subscribe to you know like i have i have far more intelligent friends than me i'll always i'll subscribe that i'm clever more than i am intelligent and i would always argue like you know what if math is wrong what if yeah? What if what if the numbers one to ten? What if there's something between four and five that should be there? And they would say, "Well, that's just ridiculous because math's like a constant and it's universal." And I'm like, "No, no, but but what what if there's something that we don't know that you know all these equations that we can't prove time travel, we can't do warp speed, we can't do it, whatever you know, we can't cure this, this, and this." You, you were born in the wrong time. You would have been <laughs> Galileo, like 
you know, years ago, you would have been in a tower and people would have revered your brain for asking those questions. Yeah, I would have been like, what about 4.5? Yeah, you thought about that? 4.5 <laughs> before 5? Yeah. Huh? You would have been Seriously, at, at some point in time. That. Yeah, that's yeah, what exactly. I was they would have no, lit I, me on fire. I, w- I would have been fine. They would have they would have thought I was crazy, but then Dan would have done his Mobius strip movement and they would have burnt him at the stake for being a witch. That would have yeah, definitely. that would have been the end of Dan. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, so I, I'm totally with you there, John, on that. That what what if because we know it is being correct, what if it's just so imagine imagine beings came through and went, look, what you call quantum physics is like one plus one. That's so, so basic and so much of it's just messy and not even worth it and what about this and it's just something like you can't even comprehend or think about so i'm i'm with you on that one i mean do, literally do mind, what? can i can i just touch on something real yeah, quick definitely. I, I know i know a lot of us dog people um and <clears throat> um at the very least a lot of listeners will have pets um yeah. and a few weeks back uh i watched a lecture by michael masters and we were talking about the perception of time just just in terms of you know, things that we think of as a constant that aren't necessarily so. Um, and he he mentioned that we, there's nothing we can do to prove that you guys experience time in the same way as I experience time. So if you feel like you're having a long day, you, you could make a pretty good argument because I can't prove to you that your day isn't longer than mine <laughs> and your experience of a second isn't longer than mine. Um, and to come back to dogs, I always think, you know, you know, when you come home and a dog's super happy to see you, I wonder if maybe, you know, to us, we've been out for 10 minutes, but to the dog, that's felt like, you know, a year long, maybe. And that's why they're super happy. Um, yeah. And then to go to kind of a smaller scale, you think of a fly and how crazy the movements of a fly look um, when it's kind of zipping about. But then from a fly's point of view, we're going to be super slow. So it's just going to move around in a really kind of to it sensible, you know, kind of linear motion of time that makes sense and doesn't look crazy, but to us it looks insane. Yeah. So the flies moving in different dimensions. We might find that out one day. Who knows? (laughs) Even flies' brains have quantum things. Um, I gotta. I love that dog reference you just made. Cause my dog is like right here next to me. And I just thought like, Oh man, that's so sad. And when I leave, I'm gone for like 10 years and I've only been gone for an hour. <laughs> Dan, I, mean, Dan, I do it all the time Dan now. And I like fuss my dog when I come in like crazy, just <laughs> kind of thinking like, if you have, Oh my God, like you waited here for so long. Dan well, their lives are time guilt. <laughs> time their li- guilt yeah. Their lives are short, you know? I mean, that would make perfect sense if you think about it. But the thing is, like I, I like I said, dude, what if one, what if they they were like your number system, your alphabet system? I don't even know what you guys are doing. Like you guys are just banging sticks around and typing numbers. Like we can't even believe you guys made it to space. That's why we started coming down here. And then we didn't realize, and then we realized you guys were going to blow yourselves up. And we were like, hey, don't blow yourself up. And it's just that simple. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and listen, I'm going to bring in Dave there. Dave, uh, it's, it's been a while. You've had a rest. Um, uh, yeah. Inter slash multi-dimensional different realities. What what's your take on this one? Well, going back to something John said, it's um, you know it's our concept of physics and our concept of mass that we are taught from an early age. That's all we know. I mean, when you talk about you know craft or beings coming in from different dimensions, they've got a total different understanding of physics than we have. 
So we are constrained by our known physics and our knowledge and the fact that we only use like a certain percentage of our brains. But if you think going back to like the 80, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, you had like the Theosophical Society starting up, you know, Rudolf Steiner, um, people like that. And they were kind of exploring these theories back then. You know, they had, they were talking about Atlantis, Lemuria, um, different dimensions. You had the authors of the time, people like H.P. Lovecraft, who were talking about beings coming in to our plane of existence from the space between space, you know, which is something that Dan was talking about. Um, and you've got to think that these thoughts don't appear from anywhere. You know, someone must have had experience of this in the past, and yet we haven't really progressed that conversation because we don't know any more about mass or physics than we possibly did like 500 years ago. When technology doesn't really advance our knowledge, it just makes us able to do it in a different way. But let me ask you, and this is, this is something that was sort of touched on before as well. I, th- I think Dan had mentioned that, and John too, that that if, if nuts and bolts craft and planet A to B is uh, an entry level into UFOs and ufology and UAPs, are people, how, how do you get people ready for that conversation then that actually what if it's something dimensional? Is that then just sure. far too out there for a generic general population conversation? Because what I can't see is the New York Times having a three-year anniversary article that says multidimensional beings are a possibility for the UA, like for UAPs. <laughs> I, I just oh, can't see that. Even though I would love that, you would love that, we would love that. The, yeah. the, the UFO Twitterverse would love it, but that really is the 1% here. Oh, no, the, the general public, especially in the UK, they're all they're concerned about is who's seen a ghost in I'm a Celebrity House. Hmm. you know at the end of the day yeah um or you know what's the latest on the wag war you know the the big wag war that's going on at the moment the footballers wives twitter feud or instagram feud whatever that was but I, i i don't think the mainstream public has a concept on interdimensions anyway or different dimensions the only experience they have is from pop culture and through the movies and through tv series i mean dan said about the movie strip um there's a a series on Netflix called Another Life um, starring Katie Sackhoff and um, Selena Blair and the first the opening of that series is a craft in the shape of a Mobius strip coming towards Earth and landing in the middle of America and then suddenly enshrouding itself in all these crystals and we're like what? and as soon as Dan said that I was like hang on a minute I've just seen that but it's kind of, we send, I mean, this is like way in the future. It's like 40, 50, 60 years in the future, the series is set. But it does kind of say, it hints at maybe, you know, we're not thinking, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about nuts and bolts anymore. We should be thinking about these different dimensions. We're not talking about like parallel universes, maybe. But it's kind of, there could be someone standing right next to you watching this, you know, watching our videos. And we don't know it, but they are watching it from another dimension. You and know, that's, that's around, and I see someone standing behind his shoulder, and that might be his dog. <laughs> John, we we did talk about shadow people, didn't we? And that's the first time I've done that oh, yeah. on the podcast and the episode with you. And that's again, you start to look at the phenomenon 
under the umbrella of you know ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, you know paranormal activity. All all of that could potentially be all under one umbrella, and that it's it's not all disconnected it's all it's all part of one phenomenon i'm going to move on slightly though and i'm going to come to john then for pros and cons we've touched on a few there which are great but i want to ask that if it turns out the phenomenon um was inter-multidimensional but it meant that in our universe we were alone would how how would you feel about that that there were no other beings on other planets that could reach us that would be very scary that would be very scary because I, I do, like I said, I think it's knowing that there's life out there, like helps us understand, you know, a little bit more about the the reality that we live in. So if there's, is no life out there and they're, they're just like, like in our, in our dimension, there is no life or in our reality, there's no life out there. That would be like, I don't know. You just like made the perfect twilight zone episode. Imagine it's like <laughs> you find out you find out you're yeah. not alone but you also find out that you're alone you're alone in your thing. reality yeah <laughs> what well, what about can i can i pose kind of the inverse question um you know in in consider there are an infinite amount of universes but this is the one where life occurs. Uh, so that, mm. multidimensional is real but life is very very rare so what, what's it, what's it, what's in the other universes? I'd like to ask back. Um, just rocks. Uh, things, things that <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's very Rick and Morty sounding, but infinite planets where there's just varying degrees of rocks. Yeah, just slightly <laughs> different shapes. It goes on for ages. It's it's uh, you know fractal. <laughs> it's a far more depressing um, version of the theory that in, there is a universe where you know you are Batman which is always one that pleases me, that I always like to think of, that somewhere in that infinite timeline, I was actually Batman, uh, Brandon Fugel. Um, but yeah, no, so that, that's a good point that, you know, that, that would be quite scary. But again, it still opens up a lot of other concepts and possibilities and uh, and thoughts on that. Dave, do you want to come in on that one? Well, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, people who take, um, you know, like ayahuasca and DMT and magic restrooms, they're always talking about seeing something else so maybe when the brain's rewired in a certain way we do find and we do see you know these other dimensions that we can't see with our own limited spectrum at the moment i will have um funny you say that just before i bring john in um in the next six to eight weeks i'll have a guest on the show discussing um dmt and various different topics involved in which so yeah funny you bring that one up that's just come up on my, my dms the other day which is good so uh yeah but no you're right about rewiring you know uh, mushrooms dmt various different gateway drugs uh, as they're known are these is that why they call gateway drugs that's like a total different <laughs> meaning to the term wow. yeah <laughs> that's so good because they open up the gateway yeah, yeah that's it it's like, are, are, are they the key that opens the door that lets you you know when you open the fridge in Ghostbusters and you see it's a different dimension because you know there were there was some kind of DMT leaked into the apartment. And when you open my fridge at the moment, yeah. <laughs> I I uh, I haven't talked about this like really ever. I brought it up I think on a live the other day. As people started talking about DMT and stuff, and I I grew up in uh, California, right? So there's a big marijuana culture in Los Angeles now. It's illegal, 
So of course, you know, the young, the young gaucho experimented with some stuff here and there. I never have tried DMT or anything like that, but I, I have tried magic mushrooms and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I could see how people could, uh, could consider it like traveling into another reality, like another, cause you are, cause imagine if really what's controlling you is your brain, right? It's, it's what's keeping you here. Um, it's what's keeping you, uh, understanding what's happening and in, in, in the reality that you're living. Um, the moment you mix those chemicals into your body, it's like, it takes you somewhere else. Right. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't condone it. I guess you can do whatever you want. We're all adults here. Um, I fully condone it. <laughs> no, actually, actually, yeah, I take it back. No, 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 I, I take it back. I take it back because I did it. You know, I did it, and I think if I, uh, if I have a kid, he'll probably do it. So, um, what what can I say? I think that there is a lot of like if you look throughout history, people have been messing with that for years and years and years the shamanic culture and all that kind of stuff and there's got to be something there you know i mean it's crazy to think oh 17 year old me didn't even know and he was like traveling to another dimension but <laughs> uh if you asked me when i was 17 i probably would have been like yeah i went to another dimension this is totally what <laughs> <laughs> happy totally. birthday shaking the bag of mushrooms yeah, yeah. But listen, so gents, uh, I feel part of what we've talked about may bleed into the next theory anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, ask you to, starting with Dan, give me your score from a 1 to 10 on the phenomenon being inter or slash multidimensional beings or alternative realities potentially. Um, I already alluded that I would give everything 10, but this one I'm going <laughs> to give 11. Um, ju- just because in the in the last like five minutes of conversation there is so much potential for exploration be it consciousness be it quantum physics that that that's the hiding place for the stuff we don't understand right now um so yeah 11 out of 10 cool that will totally throw off the scoring metric i've got here Uh, (laughs) dave do you want to give us your one to ten slash eleven well, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go like nine because, cool. you know, the guys in Silicon Valley, they're kind of, ex- they're supposed to be, well, it's been said that they are experimenting with hallucinogenics at, at this moment anyway. Have, um, have you guys, yeah, sorry, sorry um, have you guys seen that uh, there was John Hopkins study done a few years back where they had, and there would be no names released yet, but um, religious leaders from all around the world uh, partake in studies with psilocybin, which is just mushrooms. Mm. Um, so if, if you feel like certain religious leaders have maybe been kind of a bit more relaxed in the last year, um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I would say so. It would make sense as well why it's like criminalized or made illegal because, you know, perhaps the powers that be don't want the general public to know that, you know, know about the other dimensions or, yeah, know what's going on. Uh, well, when you we, we already know there are a small group of people in the Pentagon that think they're demonic. Oh yeah, on, totally. Oh yeah, you know their Catholic kind of approach to the to the issue. Um, so it just goes to show that without without framing that people could be terrified of it. 
Definitely. And when you said that, uh, that thing about the, the religious leaders messing with mushrooms, the first thing that popped in my head was the Pope having a bad trip. (laughs) (laughs) And and with that, before we piss off all the Catholics, uh, (laughs) What are you uh, what are you scoring that interdimensional, multidimensional beings? I'm gonna go with a ten. Ten. Because I, I feel like that's that's what I'm what I'm I mean it's the most complicated one to try to grasp, but I feel like it's the it would this is a complicated subject and it just seems to be, you know, consciousness plays a big role in it and Consciousness is all throughout the universe, so there's got to be some way that it connects it throughout. You know, something that traverses, passes through dimensions, and goes all throughout the universe. So, I don't know. I'm not gonna get too deep in that. I'm gonna say something wrong, but (laughs) let's keep going. We we mentioned Star Trek earlier. Have you guys been watching Discovery? No, I should though. So I'll I'll kind of keep spoilers out of it, but. The idea is, and it's from someone uh, named Paul Stamets, who is a genuine guy. He's like the mushroom king. If you want to watch anything <laughs> about mushrooms, just you know, YouTube his name, Paul Stamets. Um, and his idea is that these underground mycelial networks that we know are billions of years old or millions of years old um, are a kind of consciousness that kind of experiences time in a different way. Um, and we know that similar to in our brains there are kind of quantum processes that take place so it could literally be something that transcends dimensions um and his idea in star trek discovery was that um these spores kind of through meteor impacts and various things like that would start forming connections between different points in the universe that you could travel along if you could kind of zone your consciousness into it i thought i thought it was worth mentioning it's a really interesting theory watch the show that's a crazy theory. I'm definitely going to watch it. And folks, another way you can transcend your consciousness is checking out Shadows of Your Mind magazine. And I'm just going to play. <laughs> I, I'm going to take a quick break with the guys and we'll be back in 30 seconds. So here's an advert for Shadows of Your Mind. Have you ever looked up to the skies and seen something you can't explain? Or walked deep in the forest and sensed something watching you? Do you believe in an afterlife or a hidden veil that can communicate with the living? then you need Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Download all issues completely free at shadowsmagazine.co.uk Shadows of Your Mind, where your search for the answers begins.
this myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. Then I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. I helped out my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should seek therapy. And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. Consider your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your lies, consider your 